Well, let's turn to our neighbor this morning. We're the body of Christ, the church, and we're in God's house, and the Lord is here, and he's sending his love. Will you turn and tell your neighbor you're glad they're here today? Our message today is from John 13. In this gospel, Judas has just left the twelve in the upper room. And we begin with verse 31, where John writes, When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of God, the Son of Man, glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, Jesus said, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men, women, and children will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace and children in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the, and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. As I said, our setting tonight is the upper room. Our setting this morning, too, is the upper room. Inside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus and his 12 have gathered there. Um, they have walked down from Bethany up above the city, outside the city a few miles, all the way into Jerusalem for the evening Passover meal, the annual meal that the Jews celebrated, the Passover of the angel of death in Egypt that brought the release from slavery for the Jewish people. Jesus has already washed the disciples' feet. He has already announced that one of the disciples in that room will betray him. And you can imagine how shocked they were, all except one disciple. And Jesus has already revealed to John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, and the disciple that I would say he knew loved him the most. Have you ever really liked somebody and you just wanted to be around them? Raise your hand. It could be somebody you played sports with, somebody you admired. Well, that was John towards Jesus. And how could, any, how could I not feel that way if I was one of the disciples? Because everything Jesus said would make the hair on your arm stand up or the back of your neck. Uh, it would be Jesus was somebody you just, if you felt God in him and you saw the miracles he did, you would want to be there. And of the disciples, John was that man. And John asked him secretly, he was sitting next to him at the meal and he leaned over and it's kind of depicted in that slide, the person on the right, he leaned over and asked Jesus, who was it, Rabbi? And he said, the man that I hand this piece of bread to, and he handed it to Judas Iscariot. And I'm sure Jesus looked him in the eye, knowing what he was about to do, hoping 
things might change. And I think it was a tense moment. And no sooner had Jesus handed him that piece of bread, Judas got up and left the meal and went out into the night, into the darkness, to do his deed, to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver to the religious leaders. And that is where our lesson now begins tonight. Have you ever been around someone that, or worked with somebody that made you anxious? Somebody that maybe was a threat to you. Maybe somebody you, an employer that was very autocratic, that was looking for every mistake you made and then was going to be all over you to correct you. Have you ever worked or been around somebody like that? And when they left the room, you and everybody that worked there just went, wow, you didn't pick on me today. Well, I want you to take that same feeling and apply it to this lesson tonight. Because I think that's exactly how Jesus was feeling about Judas. He was anxious. He was concerned, let's say, for Judas' soul. And when he left, I think Jesus got excited because you see it in the gospel. You see it in the words that John recorded. He says, and I think loudly he says to his disciples, which I bet surprised them when he said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Meaning that now the wheels are turning. They are set in motion, and nothing is going to stop what's going to happen this night to Jesus and to the world. Amen? The mission that Jesus was sent into this world to accomplish by God the Father was almost completed. Jesus is excited about that part. He's almost completed. He's been on earth for 33 years. He was born for this mission, and it is on the doorstep. Only the cross was left, and Jesus talks about his glorification there. But how can that be glory? Amen? How can that be something, the word that Jesus is saying to us? Because you and I know what Jesus has to go through this night and the following day in order to accomplish his mission on earth. Well, let me tell you, in the scriptures, when we see the word glory, it is referring to God and his majesty, his holiness, his splendor, and his divine love and mercy for us. And don't let that go right over your head. This is God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and everything that exists in the universe. How many of you looked on your computer and seen the pictures, maybe on YouTube or other places, that are coming in from the James Webb Telescope that's a million miles out in space and has now come into focus? And the first picture, the one that I saw, they had focused on a star because they were aligning the mirrors and it, when they got it perfect, 
there were all these stars looking around it. And as they magnified that, those weren't stars. Those were entire galaxies, some of them the size of our Milky Way, with planets and suns and everything that our God created, his majesty, his omnipotence, his glory, and people of God, his goodness, his righteousness. All that glorification is due God for this God that loves us. Can you believe it? Can I believe that God loves me? Sometimes I have a hard time with that, especially when I do something dumb. Amen? Or especially when I don't do what God wants me to do, which means I'm a rebel. I'm in rebellion against God when I go against his will. But yet, through it all, God has never abandoned me and he's never abandoned you, nor will he. That is God's glory. And we as Christians certainly glorify God that he loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son on the cross because it was the only way to save us, a fallen humanity. In our Lutheran confession that we do, in the book of worship, the brief order of confession and forgiveness, in our green hymnal, we had it on our screens. In the hymnal it says that we confess that we are in bondage to what? And that we cannot do what? We cannot free ourselves as hard as we try, as good as we try and do, as many good works as we do. Mother Teresa dedicated her life to serving the, the very lowest of the low in Calcutta, India. She could not do enough to save herself and take away her sin. And if she can't, we can't. Amen? And by the way, I use amen a lot, and I'm sorry for that, but my mother was Baptist, and I grew up listening to that. And I am a Lutheran pastor, okay? So you just got to live with it, okay? You got to forgive me. Just say amen for me. But John tells us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, amen? He loved his human beings that he created in the Garden of Eden. He created them how? When he got done and looked at them, he said, ah, you know, it's a pretty good job. Or it was a good job. Or what did God say it was? It was very good, and meaning it was perfect. You and I were perfectly designed to do what God intended us to do, and that was to praise God and love others and to go out and populate the world. 
And then the fall happened. We fell from God and chose Satan's way instead of God's. And sin entered the world and it entered you and I. And it's been killing us ever since. But God didn't give up on us, and he certainly could. He could have gone to one of those galaxies and started over. But he never gave up on us, John tells us. We needed a Savior. Do you agree? And so God sent his Son to die on the cross. He sent him to the cross, and then on the cross he took your sins and mine's and he laid him on Jesus' shoulders. And then he pulled away from Jesus to leave him there because he became sin. Your sins and mine and the sin of the whole world for all time, Jesus became the bearer of that. And God could not be in his presence. And when God pulled away from Jesus, Jesus Never have felt that before. And he cried out in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He could tolerate anything but God leaving him. And there he died on the cross. And the good news is, our sin died with him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. And on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead to prove that he was the Messiah. He was the Christ come and that he did, people of God, he did take your sins away and mine and the sin of the whole world. And now we can stand in the presence of God and being not worried. The Bible says, God said to Moses, you cannot look at me because anyone that looks at me will die. But now, with our sin taken away, we can stand in God's presence and look at him face to face because we have been made holy through Christ. So every morning, you and I get to wake up and praise the Lord and glorify him that we have been saved, that we will receive the gift of eternal life because of what Jesus did for us. Our lesson ends, we're back to the upper room now, our lesson ends with Jesus knowing his time is short, he's going to go to the cross soon, and he gives his final instructions to his disciples. I don't know about you, but if I ever get a chance, if I'm cognitive, if I'm awake and my family's there on my dying breath, I want to say to them the most important thing, and that's where Jesus is at this point. He's going to tell his 11 left disciples the most important thing, and he tells them what we read tonight. He makes it so important, he makes it into a command that they must keep. He says, love one another to his 11 disciples. And then he explains it, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he goes on to say, 
By this, everyone that you meet will know that you are my disciples. Kids, that's why Jesus wants you to love others, so that they will know that you belong to Christ. And so that you can help maybe change somebody's life and brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can touch lives and change this world. And why is that important? Because 50 days from this night, Jesus is going to send God the Father, God the Son, are going to send the Holy Spirit down on earth and the church will be born. Amen? When the disciples preached or spoke in tongues, and everybody from every land in Jerusalem heard them in their own native language, and not just their own native language. How many of you speak Spanish? Okay? Imagine someone, or a language, another language. How many of you can imagine that they spoke to the people from those countries, not in just their, quote, language, but in their dialect of the region they grew up in, which has nuances and changes. It was so fine, so intricate that the people couldn't believe it. These are Galileans. They, how can they speak like that? The Holy Spirit is going to come and the church is going to be born. And how many people joined the church that day? One sermon Peter spoke. I've never preached a sermon that so many people came rushing in the doors and joined the church. <laughs> how many was it? 3,000 men plus women and children, right? Amen. It was... A hundred churches were born that day, okay? Pretty cool, right? The reason the church was born and the mission Jesus was sending them on was to go out into all the world and preach the good news. And it is the love the disciples shared and that they shared with the people which, which would allow the church to become what it is today. That it would grow and prosper. How many people are going to Come to church if I stand up here and preach the law and tell everybody what they've done wrong and either you do, you know, fire and brimstone. How, you know that works at first. That gets them in the door. But after that, you know, you get tired of being beat up, right? Verbally. It's love. Amen. It's you feeling loved in this place, this special place. Let me tell you a story about a woman my wife and I met in Phoenix. At age 13, she said the worst thing ever could happen happened in her family. Her father at age 40 died. When her mother and her sisters and her got home from the hospital after their father passed away, she said something unbelievable happened. She didn't expect it. Are you home? She said, they opened the door and all of a sudden a whole herd of church ladies came. And they came armed with food and hugs and tears. And most important, with God's love. 
And she said they didn't just come that day, they came back again and again and again and again to help them in their time of need. Because why? Because they were the church, the body of Christ that they were called to be. And it made such an impact on this 13-year-old girl. She said it, she never looked at the church the same way. She realized what the church had that the world doesn't have and how special the church was and how all of a sudden her ears opened up and her eyes opened up and she began to see and hear and feel God's love. And it never left. She became an adult that day. She grew up, went to school, graduated college, and enrolled, applied to a Lutheran seminary and was accepted. And now, she is our pastor in Phoenix. Is there power in love? You bet. Power, the greatest power in the world. In 1 John 4, John, the apostle, late in his life, wrote, Dear friends, let us love one another. Here it is again. For love comes from who? Love comes from God. God is the source of love. Your spouse, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever it is, they are not the source. They're just the vessel. God has to fill them up somehow, maybe through another person. But if you just love them, they're going to use up that love and then they are going to run dry. But if they know Jesus, the love you give, he fills up again. If you love him, he is the unlimited supply, and that is God. And John says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love. And is it no wonder that Jesus commanded us to love? Because God the Father is the source of all love, and he wants his disciples to understand that and to share it with everyone. And why are we called to love? Because God wants the church, the body of Christ, to go out and change the world. And I don't know about you, but everything that's going on in the world now, in the Ukraine, in the streets of this country, the robberies, the murders, the senseless killing, boy, do we need love to go, and do we need Christ to go out through us and change the world? In 1965, a young woman named Jackie DeShannon sang a song written by Bert Bacharach. It became world famous, sold over a million records. I think she retired after her second time she did it. Do you remember what the name of the song was? What the world needs now. And kids, it's an old song, but it's a goodie, okay? Can you sing it with me? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. 
No, not just for some, but for everyone. And that is the message. It's not just for us. It's not just for Lutherans. It's for everyone. It's for Christians to share and for Christians to give away free. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, Jesus commanded his disciples and us, his followers, to love one another as he has loved us so that you were even willing to lay down your life for someone because they were in such need. If we can love like that, then we can change the world. So let's try that tonight or this morning by turning to one another, unless you have an instrument in your hand, and saying to them, God loves you and so do I. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. And then he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and power. Go forth from this place refreshed, empowered to do ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly, for you carry with you all that you need. Notice God's presence in simple, everyday experiences. Whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. And the blessings and the joy of God, our creator, our healer, and our life giver go with you today and always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. and Amen.